Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back. Carrie and I are so glad that you are joining us today. We are going to talk about our third part of our series on who fell and oops. And so today's who fell and oops is all about you. So it is about directors. So if you are a director of an owner of a program, today we're going to talk about what happens when you're the one who is broken out, medical issues, uh, any sort of family medical leave act, anything that just means that you're out, right? You're just, you're out, you're unavailable. Um, or it could be something um, maybe a little less. Maybe it just means that you're working from home and you're only available virtually, um, whatever it might be. Because if you are completely out of town, um, taking care of relatives out of town, um, or you hurt yourself on a trip and you're out of town, um, that is one very different scenario than you are available by phone to even stay up, still place, you know, local orders at HEB and have them delivered or available for pickup. So um, kind of some different scenarios. And so today we're going to start with Carrie. Um, Carrie is definitely, as a director, had her fair share of um, having babies, doing some oopses. Um, I've had some oopses. We also know directors who've had other sort of interesting stories. Uh, we both have also had stories where um, had we been actively a director, it would have definitely um, forced us into changing how we did things. So we would have been forced to, in my case, I would have been forced to delegate. Um, and so I would have been forced to make sure I had an assistant director and it made I may or may not have been ready for that. I may not have already had that emergency action plan or standard operating procedure in place. But today we're going to talk about Carrie and babies. Okay. Um, so uh, we talked about me and being pregnant in, I think it was the last episode. Um, and um, I, uh, when I had my younger daughter, I was a uh, part of the day in a classroom and then director in the afternoon. And I had hired a substitute, trained them. I had where they were going to be once I came back from my six weeks of maternity leave, which I was very excited about because I hadn't had one the per first pregnancy. Um, I was very excited. And I went into labor and got a phone call from that person telling me that she had mono. I was not thrilled with this because I was actively in labor um, and I needed someone to cover my classroom. I could handle not having an on-site director for the day. Uh, I could not handle not having someone in the infant room for the morning. Um, so I woke up my husband and said, we're going to have a baby today. Uh, and then I started calling people to try to find someone else to cover the infant room for me. Um, and what it ended up being is uh, my mother and my mother-in-law both covered the classroom but um, I didn't have them on paperwork anywhere. They had had their um, first aid and CPR because I was like, nobody's watching my kids who hasn't had first aid and CPR, but they weren't on paperwork. I hadn't done a criminal background check on them. So the day after I gave birth, I called licensing and I reported myself <laughs> for having had um, caregivers in the facility who did not have background checks. And I said, but I am here today. And they were like, you're what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yesterday I couldn't be here because I was giving birth, but I'm here in the infant room today. 
Um, and so we're back in compliance and my licensing rep said that they were not going to investigate. Um, <laughs> they did not feel like they needed to investigate that. Um, so if you're going to have crises, it's a good idea to have mothers and mother-in-laws who have first aid and CPR uh, training. Um, but if so, also go ahead and get their criminal background check and put them on your um, substitute list. Those are the, that is the only day either one of them ever worked at my center, but it would have been helpful uh, for me to not have to call in on myself. Um, and that made it, that was the day that I decided I needed to have a deeper substitute pool because one person was not enough because that one person could get mononucleosis while you're in labor. Uh, <laughs> so well, let's talk about that substitute pool. I know it's not really the, per the, the, the goal of this call, but, and, and I think most directors um, probably have a relationship with friends and family in a community. And even if these are people who, don't have any interest in working in your center, <laughs> but they love you and they would do just about anything for you. Um, get them on that list. Um, have them do that background check um, because you just never know when you may have to get all the way through the bottom of the backup back, you know, um, because it sounds like both of our spouses at the time have both worked in your center. Yes. Right. So I was like going, wait a minute. <laughs> Both dads worked there at different times. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, my husband was on the list for a long time. Um, he wasn't all the time, but there were definitely years when he was on the sub list. Um, but again, that's a situation where I was starting out my center and I couldn't be a full-time director because we didn't have enough kids that I could get paid if I was just being a director because I, it was early days, early days. Um, I had only, I think, two classrooms open at the time. And uh, so that was that was a, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, so it wasn't the director part of my job, um, but it was, you know, make sure you have a deep substitute list. Um, but I also had told people that we were not accepting any new enrollments for six weeks. So anybody who toured the couple of months before, you know, when I was just being, you know, nice and round, I told people you need to enroll now or you have to wait for six weeks. So I planned no new enrollments for six weeks because I was going to be on maternity leave and I would have been reachable by phone. So any crisis that happened, I would have been reachable. I was still going to do the grocery shopping, but I was planning. <laughs> It's not what happened, but I was planning on not being at the school um, during the day, during the six weeks. Now, um, again, my kids are old. Now I would have been able to do all of the ordering and stuff like that online and it can be delivered. And I would just have paid the extra $15 fee to have the HEB people bring it to my school instead of doing the drive up um, HEB order. Um I think that's a, a good use of money when, when the director is out sick, because you may not feel comfortable with um, putting someone else on your debit card or your credit card for placing those orders or putting them on a checkbook. You know, again, we're old, we believe in checkbooks. Um, so you might not want to have somebody else have that ability while you're gone because you don't yet have the trust with 
sharing that, but spend the extra money when you're out with a broken something <laughs> um, or when you've given birth to have it delivered to your school. I know it's more money. I don't care. <laughs> you need to have policies in place. And, you know, with the HEB order, you can have a credit card on file at HEB or at Costco or at Sam's that they automatically charge with that order. Yeah. So you don't have to give somebody your credit card information. It's on file in some cloud storage somewhere. And you can let your staff use that account and monitor it. Yeah. So, um, so Carrie's talked briefly about, you know, having kiddos while being the director and that sometimes, again, having the plans is having plans is always a great thing, but sometimes those plans don't go as planned. Um, there have also been situations, um, uh, when, were you a director when you broke your elbow too? Yeah. When I broke my radius radius. Um, so, and the only reason that I ever, that I found out that I broke it is that I, a little bit of a tendency towards workaholism, which I think is not uncommon in directors. Um, you know, we want to do everything for our staff. We want to do everything for our kids and our parents. So we work a lot of hours. And so I broke my arm in the morning, um, grabbing breakfast for my kids and myself. And then I went to work, you know, put kids in their classrooms, et cetera. And I was in, I was in pain and I couldn't focus. I couldn't think. Um, and so I called my husband and I said, you know, I'm just in pain and I'm having a hard time getting any work done. I think I'm just in the way here at work. I'm going to go ahead and go home and rest. And my husband's response was, excuse me, you're leaving work voluntarily. And I said, yes. <laughs> and he said, then you need to go to the doctor's office and get an x-ray. And I said, I don't think I broke my arm. People say you hear a sound or you feel a thing when you break your arm. That didn't happen. There was no noise. I didn't feel a break. I moved my arm and I can't feel a stabbing pain. Um, I didn't break my arm. And he's like, you need to go get an x-ray. Um, so I did. And he was right. And I was wrong. And I will have to live with that shame for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, directors have all kinds of stories. We have stories of things that we've done while we're at work, things that we've done that meant that we weren't going back to work on Monday. Um, so, I mean, the, I've got two. One is, you know, on a weekend when I was planting trees with my children and I was absolutely doing something um, <clears throat> with um, a pair of pruning shears that I should not have been doing. And I ended up with a very nice gash on my arm. Um, but because I was with a bunch of kids, I had to think very quickly about how I was going to respond. And so I did respond in a way and got to the emergency room that most of the kids really didn't have um, a true grasp of the level of the injury. Um, however, it was such a such an injury that had I had to be in a classroom, I would not have been able to be into a classroom for at least two weeks. And so again, it wasn't an expected, it was an accident. It was something I did not do at work um, that, if I was a classroom teacher director, like in other words, I had a shared position like Carrie did, um, I would not have been able to go back to work. Or uh, if you were in a position where you were just short staffed for that week because you had teachers who were out with the flu. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I had to go into, let's put it this way, I could not have gone into a classroom. I guess I could have gone to work, but I couldn't have done a classroom. 
I might have been able to do the cook <laughs> one-handed, would have made life a little dicey and interesting. Um, and then um, another situation um, was again another one of those fluke accidents. Um, I broke. I, I had a third-degree sprain in both ankles at the same time. Yeah, she's uh, talented. Yeah. Um, so you know, mentally figure that out. There's no walking on crutches. <laughs> and um my youngest was 18 months uh so there was definitely um <laughs> not a lot of um st- still needed help um around the house so there wasn't like that was going to be um really an option um it was a little farther along Carrie and I do joke that we are old so it was a little farther along that a lot of things were done um you know we could do a lot of email we did have cell phones <laughs> but we didn't have nearly as many as we do now. And they were still pretty boring. Like, you know, walkie talkie was as fancy as we got. We had the next telephones. And so Carrie and I could walkie talkie each other. We loved those phones. They were great. (laughs) They were great. Um, Yeah. So it wasn't the summer that, you know, I mean, there were definitely summers when I was the director um, that had that been an injury, that would not have been a good summer. (laughs) It would have been very um, stressful on everybody. Yeah. When, with my broken arm, um, I was unaware of how many things you need your left forearm for. Like I couldn't write on paper because I was so used to putting my left hand on the paper to keep it still when I wrote. So I couldn't, I couldn't sign checks. And again, I like checks. I I'm a fan of checks. I still write checks. I I'm aware I'm the only one, but, um, I couldn't, Like I had a hard time opening doors because when you turn your right hand, your left hand actually turns a little bit in response. It's completely unconscious, had no idea you do it until you break your left radius, (laughs) which is the turning bone. And your body's like, no, we're not opening doors anymore. Um, so I started, you know, going in through any door that had a lever instead of a doorknob, um, which meant, you know, there were some rooms where I was like walking down a hallway to get into the, the room, as opposed to the room, the way that was the most convenient because that one had a lever and this one had a doorknob. (laughs) Um, and I mean, I, the, Typing one-handed is a nightmare, especially if you're somebody who's used to using your right hand primarily for the 10 key for the numbers, because then I had to like figure out, okay, how do I get to an S? (laughs) I was by the A. Yeah. But I never look at it. So I didn't know where it was. So I had to like, it was very much, it, it was ridiculous. Everything took so much longer. And you're like, how is breaking your left arm making it so that your computer time is three times as long? Well, it's because nobody knows where an S is on the keyboard. (laughs) I was, I was unprepared for that. And I, you know, I did have systems in place. I did have standard operating procedures, but it was for, if I couldn't be at the school, I could be at the school. I was just ineffective. (laughs) And so when, and if that happens, Give yourself some grace. Tell whoever you have to report to that it will take longer and that if possible, you would like to do voice to text or you would like to call them and leave them a voice memo. 
or something like that so that you're not doing what I had to do, which was hunt and peck like I was a second grader um, in order to send um, a message to someone you know, in the software portal or whatever. If I had, if I was one of those directors now, so I know some directors who literally approve every message that goes out to the parents on their parent communication app, whether it's hi mama or whatever. And so they're going through and they're approving all of them. Can you imagine doing that with only one hand? I just, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be a point at which you go, you know what, this week, you guys say whatever you want to the parents. <laughs> I don't care. And then the question becomes, okay, the things that you let go while you're dealing with an injury, how many of those things do you need to bring back mm -hmm. when you come back from your case of COVID or your broken bones or your double sprained ankles? You know, there are things that when that happens, you reconsider, do I need to do all those things? Um, I'm not currently actively directing and it was very helpful in July that I was not actively directing because most of the month of July was washed out by my mother having COVID while we were in rural Wisconsin. We talked before about how I take a vacation every year, the week of 4th of July. I did that and my mom got COVID <laughs> and she didn't test positive until everybody had left. So it was me and my mom in rural Wisconsin, and she was getting sicker and sicker. Um, and, you know, there was a whole bunch that went into all of that. And really, it was only two whole weeks that I was caring for her between when she was not yet in the hospital and when she was in the hospital. But then I needed like a week to recover from the emotional work of keeping my mother alive. <laughs> And, you know, all of the fear and anxiety of what would happen because she had paperwork she has not done. We should maybe do an episode about that. I know <laughs> Evelyn talks about it a lot on her, has talked about it a fair amount on her podcast. If you haven't um, ever listened to Evelyn Knight's podcast, we would recommend. Um, but we should also maybe talk a little bit about what legal paperwork, if you're an owner, you need to have. So, um, so as we wrap that up, I just want to make sure that you guys remember that when you start talking about standard operating procedures, emergency action plans, that that needs to include you. Um, a lot of times we, we, we've got those for our kids. We might have them for the teachers, but rarely, rarely, rarely do we have them for us. So if the last two years, unfortunately, has not taught you anything, it needs to be that you need to have an emergency action plan for yourself as a director or the owner and that you are aware and that people on staff know how to get hold of your emergency paperwork. Where is your folder? Do you have a file with all the employees that have your allergies, your medical release? And, all and, and who's going to take, who's going to be checking in to make sure you haven't passed out in your office? If you have a policy where anytime your door is closed, nobody even knocks, which I recommend, but you still need to be have a policy, a secondary policy that if nobody has seen you in three hours, somebody needs to knock on your door because there's nothing we do as directors that we're really going to be in our office for three hours, not wandering around <laughs> checking on the center because you are in there and you're working and you're in the flow and I get it, but then you'll be like, oh my God, I needed to check to see that, you know, Matthias brought in his shot record. I didn't get it in my email. I got to go check Matthias's bag. 
So, you know, we will be working, we'll be in the zone, but I've never known a director who stays in an office with a door closed for three hours. Something pops up in your head of something you need to go check on. So. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that you have to be friendly, friendly with staff. You just need to decide for yourself if your stuff is going to be with every other employee and who is the number two. Um, yep. That doesn't mean that you have an assistant director, but there has to be somebody who knows that if you're out sick, if you fall and have a concussion, um, if you get stuck on another continent because you broke your leg while you were climbing the Eiffel Tower, you know, whatever it might be, whatever horror story happens to you, or at least you were going to Machu Picchu and you got uh, elevation sickness. Yeah. So, or, or you could do that in Colorado, but so whatever your, whatever your issue might be, uh, make sure that somebody on staff knows their number two and um, talk to your staff um, as well as family members that are local to you um, about those bits and pieces, at least of your um, business plan. And when we say family, we don't just mean people that you married or are blood related to. A lot of us have our found family um, that counts as well. Yes. So have your support right. network, <laughs> have a deep bench, have a deep bench, have a deep bench. Pretend you're the NFL. <laughs> it doesn't have to be wide. It just has to be deep. Yes. So, um, but they should be people that you trust. So yep. with that, we Absolutely. hope you guys have a wonderful week. If you need us, feel free to reach out to us at Carrie at texasdirector.org or myself, Kate at texasdirector.org and have a wonderful week. Don't forget to share. Bye. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.